I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson from the podcast Teeth to Toes, and I want to thank you for all being here. Today's a really wonderful day. We have invited back a guest, Dr. Duncan Brown, and Dr. Duncan Brown is a world-renowned orthodontist. Um, we're actually lucky to be able to get him on our podcast because I think he's going to Budapest um, at the end of the week. And he lectures and travels all the way around the world, teaching complex orthodontists in various different places. So let's give a real round of applause here. Duncan, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I, did I write that for you? Yes, you did. Okay. I, I, was I hope I read it right. You did very um, well, yes. I did very well. I tried. I tried. So Duncan um, was on a podcast earlier. And we were talking about diagnosing and the how do you refer or when do you refer to an orthodontist and how to actually start integrating dental care with an orthodontist and be able to solve your uh, sometimes easy, sometimes difficult patients. But I want to talk today about things that I don't normally deal with. Um, I have a TMJ-based or focused practice and I don't see a lot of kids. And because I don't see a lot of kids, um, I send them to you and you get to deal with all the problems and you do a very good job. So today we're gonna to talk about kids. Um, now, one of the big things that parents will bring their kids in to see me or to have a consult with is typically a parent has some airway issues themselves and after learning about their own airway issues, they say, well, huh, my kid does that exact same thing or my kid has a similar problem. And they'll bring them into me. We might take a cone beam cat scan or we might just look inside the little gaffer's mouth and we'll say, well, this is what we see. This is what we do. And But I don't treat children when I'm doing TMD care. Um, so that's why you're a valuable part of the team. So can you talk about how you diagnose children with airway issues? Sure. First of all, let me uh, rattle on a little bit about single phase versus two phase treatment. A two phase treatment means you treat them as a kid and then you treat them again as an adolescent. The only people that do two-phase treatment a lot have got gray hair. And the reason for that is because it isn't taught in the postgraduate programs. The reason it isn't taught is the postgraduate programs are two or three years long. And if you're going to treat a kid, you have to treat it with a seven-year time frame. So when you guys are going out and looking for your orthodontist, you want to find out, what they know about phase one treatment. They'll tell you they know a lot, but if phase one treatment to them involves putting in RPE, that's not enough. Oh, can, I, can I just have you clarify? Can you tell me when you guys have acronyms? I believe RPE is rapid palatal expander. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. That is correct. Carry on, sir. Okay. So one of the 
things that the local dentist is on the front line of is you guys are the first guy that see the kids. And as that, you should be aware of what it, how their growth and development is contributing to long-term problems like airway concerns. You'll see a lot of orthodontists that talk about uh, either airway-centric or airway-friendly orthodontics. Those are probably pretty good guys to talk to because they are going to be dealing with uh, expansion in kids. It's a good idea. When you see a kid, how do you tell, other than the fact that the parent has sleep apnea and wears a CPAP, that they might have a problem? I, I, I don't know. How, how, how I can tell in an adult is I can do a sleep a home sleep study, but I can't do that in a child. No, you're not going to run a level one sleep test in a kid. So part of your regular screening in kids should be a pediatric sleep questionnaire. You get it from the University of Alberta. It is 20 questions and it has a very, very high sensitivity and high specificity. It's a great tool for a paper tool. It is self-reporting, which means the parent answers the questions. If they get a number of answers that are positive greater than 14, there is an 85% chance that the kid has sleep-disordered breathing and probably warrants further investigation. You should be doing that as a standard part of your practice in five to seven-year-olds. Okay. So uh, I believe they called a PSQ, right? That is correct. The pediatric sleep questionnaire. That and now correct. the parents fill that out because the parents are the ones observing the child as they're sleeping. Uh, well, it isn't just to do with that. It has to do with things like uh, concentration at school, uh, whether they wet the bed, that sort of thing. And it's very accurate has an 85% specificity uh, rate, and that's proven in the literature. Yeah, and it is a validated test yes. that, that yes. we can use. Good. Um, now, And it's you, free. And it's free, which, you know, it's, that's important if that's we're going to run a business. Yep. Now, you mentioned RPE. So can you speak a little bit about... Um, expanders. Everybody's all comes in. Patients come in and say, "Well, a dentist gave me an expander, but they have obvious. They still have obvious airway issues um, in their adulthood. Obviously, expanders are not the be all and the end all. There, it doesn't mean that if you do an expander, you are." suddenly cured of all of your problems, can you explain more about an expander or what should happen? Uh, yes. Uh, no, expanders are not all of the problem. Uh, airway problems in kids is a multifaceted concern. It involves diet. It involves posture. It involves allergies. It involves uh skeletal structure, it involves dental conditions, it involves a ton 
of things. And unfortunately, in a weekend course, for a lot of your listeners are going to have attended a weekend course and come in here for two days and we'll teach you how to treat pediatric sleep disorders. The problem with those is that they are strictly focused on expansion. They provide very little information with respect to the other factors that are important in dealing with pediatric sleep questions. That's why the PSQ is so important. If you have a person that has a high score on the PSQ, then the chances are you shouldn't be treating them. You should be referring it to somebody that knows something about the other facets and has a team assembled that can deal with those things. Expansion is a good thing in okay. kids. Good? Yeah, very good. But the science shows that if you expand a maxilla by a couple of millimeters or a few millimeters, you gain very little in terms of improved airway function. All right. The, the real advances in getting improved airway function in kids involves the combination of an ENT guy doing a TOTS TNA in conjunction with expansion. TNA the being? Tonsils and adenoids. Okay. So That's getting rid of lymphoid tissue. Yes. Okay. Your, the, the guys that are listening should have a relationship with an ENT guy. That'll now, be a real struggle. <laughs> well, if you're in Alberta, that's a real struggle because I used to be able to refer directly to an ENT, but now we cannot. And so we have to go through the family doctor. Correct. Um, and unless we're a surgeon. Um, so that becomes the issue. Um, uh, but I totally agree that we should have a, a very close relationship with the medical side of, of health as well, including yes. ear, nose, and throat doctors. Yes, especially in kids. So, especially in kids. Especially in kids. So expansion... Typically, what, about five millimeters? Uh, if you can get it, yes. I, w I would think five millimeters may even be a little low. Okay, how much would you rather be able to get? As much as I could get. If, okay. if I'm seeing a kid and I'm only getting five millimeters in expansion as measured at the molars, I don't consider that to be enough. But I, it doesn't really help the airway. What no, does not. helps the airway then is the is the airway helped by not just expansion, but the the premaxilla, the front part of the upper jaw coming forward, so that then the mandible can come forward. Am I hitting a uh, note there? Well, you're hitting a note there, except I don't buy the premaxilla part. Okay, how do you uh, explain? It? Okay. Here we got to your local kid. We expand. We want to protract the maxilla so that the mandible can be advanced. And the science indicates. Okay, hold that, on. You want to protract the maxilla? You said protract yes. the maxilla. Yeah, protract. 
forward. For that's protract meaning coming forward. Okay. Yes. And the and that's not that difficult to do in a kid. Okay. And so if you can protract the maxilla in preparation for advancement of the mandible with a functional appliance, that's your best chance of creating a win in terms of uh, sleep-disordered breathing in kids. As long as you take care of the other factors like lymphoid yeah. tissues, yes. all those you got to do things. all that. you got to do all that. Okay. There shouldn't be anyone in your audience that's sticking a... Uh, an expander and a kid and thinking that it's going to solve their airway problems. I'm sure there are a lot of dentists that hoped it will, but yes, that's not proven. That's not shown. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. Um, now bringing the mandible forward means that the mandible is actually, um, it has some leeway of where the, Condal can sit in the TMJ fossa in the socket, and you can only bring it forward so far. Um, do you have any rules with regards to that orthodontically? Not really. I'm a I'm a fan of the floating condal concept, where ah. we believe Tell me more. that the okay, um, most many dentists and many orthodontists think that the condyle position is fixed and is not changeable. The science shows that that is not true. The condyle position is not fixed, it floats. And the condyle structure and size and mandibular position is alterable by orthodontics. As soon as you believe that, then you can do all kinds of things that are not available to you if you don't believe it. Okay. So for your general dentist, they'll be familiar with things like twin block or bio block. Mm -hmm. um, th those are uh, removable devices. They have all of the problems that all removable devices have in that the kids lose them or they don't wear them or they don't wear them enough. Okay. So I am a believer in fixed orthodontic devices that create class two correction. Things like Herbst. Okay. That does work in kids. The trick is science shows that if you do mandibular advancement with a functional appliance in a kid, it is not stable. The problem was that they never retained them. So if you're going to advance a mandible in a kid with a functional appliance, then they have to wear a functional appliance as a retainer at night All right. for okay. a period of years for it to be stable. So what type of um, retainer are we talking about? Does it have a name or names? Well, I, there's, there's all kinds of them. I'm a big fan of uh, tissue-borne uh, functional appliances. I use a Frankel. A Frankel? Okay. Yes, no one's ever heard of that. 
I have heard of it because of you talking about it, but can you explain what that is? Yeah. The the advantage of a Frankel appliance is that uh, it is a tissue-borne functional appliance. It makes the mandible come forward, and it allows the jaws to expand with growth while the kid is wearing it. They only wear it at night. And at night okay. is a good time to wear it because that's when growth hormone is released. And what it does is improves tongue posture and arch width and length by nighttime wear. If, if it is done with a fixed functional appliance before they get it. Okay. Okay. So it's not just, hey, a kid can be in an expander for six months and they're all done, goodbye, have a nice life. It's actually some complex integrated treatment where you're looking at a bunch of factors as that child grows to adolescence and then grows to adulthood. Yes, it's, it's, we're terming it uh, comprehensive early treatment. So instead of having traditional orthodox looks as a two-year treatment plan and then a true-year retention plan, that doesn't work in kids. You have to have a seven-year timeline. And so you treat them aggressively for a year. You stick them in a functional appliance for a couple of years. You treat them again when they've got their permanent dentition for another year. And then you stick them in retention again for a couple of years. So if you're orthodontic colleague is talking about um, only seeing kids for a couple of years or not providing retention to them uh, while they are going between phase one and phase two. You should be going somewhere else. Okay. Okay. I love it. Can I talk about one more thing? Yes, by all means. Okay, the current run in orthodontics is called skeletal expansion, where they stick in a expander and they screw it into the kid's jaw. Okay. And then they expand it, and they're seeing wonderful things with skeletal expansion. There is a role for skeletal expansion. I'm not sure what it is yet, but there is a role for it. So this is expanding the mid-face, yep. the, the, just the volume of the face yes. that didn't happen during growth. Yes. It actually creates a wider base of the nose. Cool. Oh, so this is – go ahead. Sorry. Can I ahead. rattle on a minute? All right. Yeah. So you end up with a kid. He's five to seven years old, five to eight years old. And he has an airway problem. Most of the time, it'll be in his nose. Right. You can expand the bejeebers out of his teeth. But if you don't expand his nose, you're not going to do anything. And that okay. is the role of skeletally born expansion. It okay. does work. It's not easy to do. And not everyone does it. And... and it's all inside the mouth. It's not expanders outside the mouth. It's all in, internal. That is correct. 
Some people combine them with face masks. So the jaw gets wider and moves forward at the same time. Which is which is a good thing for your airway. It just makes for more airway. It's a very good thing. Can I make one one comment? We we talked about expanding these jaws, and it's there may be a genetic factor that you know your parents gave you grandparents, parents, parents. You know you got this from your from your lineage, but it also may be how you grew. In other words, what we call epigenetics is what's on top of genetics that doesn't allow you to express a proper growth. And this orthodontics is all about then expressing the optimum genetic outcome that you could have if everything was working while you were growing. That is correct. It provides the opportunity. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? This has been really great. Thank you very much. I think we need to, uh, uh, we've been talking about kids. I think we need to talk about uh, uh, the next time. Maybe we should talk about adolescence or something. Would you be up for that in another podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Adolescence is cool. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson from the Teeth to Toes podcast. Thank you for listening, for joining, and we'll be back with hopefully more of Duncan Brown. Thank you very much. Thank you, Curtis.